Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Stacy Patton, mobile Stacy Patton today. He cannot be, he cannot be contained. He is all over the earth. He is on the move, but even on the move, is here for you and here to talk about a very fill in the positive adjective as you like. Next win in Game Five, I think one twelve one oh three was the final over the Heat. Um, next, keep the series alive. They will be playing Game Six in Miami on Friday night. There's a lot to look forward to then, but there's a lot to look back on tonight. Um, before we do that, obligatory capitalist intervention in three, two, one. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs, whether they be basketball, Major League Baseball, NHL hockey, all the way up to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use the promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit but online where the game starts so stacy a lot of people and places that you can point to that are worth commenting on from this this victory tonight where do you want to start um i want to start there's a lot of Place I can start. Um, I I think all of us have apologies to offer to Julius Randall. Um, he you know he wasn't perfect. I didn't like the first quarter, but he gave everything he had. I thought the effort was really good. Um, wasn't perfect again, but you know this is we'll take this from him. Um, I think RJ Barrett had a lot of great moments. Had some big free throws. Um, Quinn Grimes going wire to wire, defending Jimmy Butler, dealing with, uh, I have a rant about how dirty the fucking Miami Heat are. Like, I don't want to pretend anymore. Like, I don't want to pretend that, oh, you have to respect the veteran wiliness of Kyle. No. Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, they're dirty fucking players. They try to hurt and injure people. All right? There's no, there's no two ways about it. Caleb Martin stuck his leg out under Jalen Brown. He wasn't even trying to defend the shot. You know, I'm not putting that on Spolstra, but it's a dirty fucking team, and I fucking hate them, and I'm tired of this shit, and I, I hope the Knicks fucking embarrass them for the next two games. But if we want to talk about a player that I want to start with, I want to talk about a guy who's played like a star for two games in a row, and it's exactly the kind of star that Knicks fans have told us. Like, that's every like the last time we were in the playoffs, you know, Randall was the guy, and it became clear that when the defense keyed, on, keyed in on him, there was no one else. But Knicks fans forever have been saying, 
we need a point guard and we need somebody who a closer, right? Some some people say closer, some people say star. They need a guy like that. There was a guy, we didn't talk about it that much because the Knicks lost, but he, he dropped 31 and 11 last game with one turnover on a day when everybody else was turning the, the ball over constantly. Um, and people still don't want to acknowledge it. I don't think they still, a lot of people still think they need a bigger win. There's people that think we need Zach Levine when you already have Jalen Brunson, and that is insane to me. And he came back tonight, and <clears throat> this is all, by the way, with an extremely well-coached, cohesive defense. I think they were t- seventh in the league this year. They're even better than that in the playoffs. And he's been doing it with five guys constantly keyed, on, keyed in on him. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, yeah, at least since Melo, we haven't seen anyone do something like this for the Knicks. And I would say even Melo wasn't dealing with this, man. Like, Brunson has been incredible. And he, he hurt his ankle. You know, there's been reports that he didn't expect him to play in game two. Um, you know, you saw that when, when Vincent made that dirty-ass play, which was, I think, very intentionally trying to injure him. Um, Brunson got hurt, and he came back, and, and he kept he hit three free throws. He, he's been he's been incredible, um, and that's not to take away from this was a team effort tonight. Everybody showed up, um, but um, I want to highlight Jalen Brunson because even in his bad games, it's clear he is he is the star that Knicks have been looking for for a long time. It's him. It's him and everybody else. And uh, going forward, win or lose in this series, um, you know, he's the guy you build around. And it's either you fit around him or, you know, they find any hope for you. I was thinking when he hit a three um, in the fourth that maybe not since Ewing have they had a lead player that I don't want to be totally unfair to Melo because 2013 Melo put away the Celtics um, and in the Indiana series put up kind of normal Melo numbers, which is saying something given that Indiana was a great defensive team that was completely keyed on him and nobody else in that series was giving him any help at all. Um, So I, I, I may be looking past 2013, but like you're saying, there was a point in the fourth where just it's not, and it's not just okay. You know, he makes the baskets and he gets the point. It's not just that. When you look at how often he gets the shot that he wants, whether it goes in or not, and it seems to go in more often than not. But the the you know, Mello was great at making like really high degree difficulty of shots that like only he would try, and not a lot of people besides him would make. Brunson is incredible at seemingly every single time he decides, especially that he's going to drive, he seems to do something different every single time, and yet virtually every decision he makes, at least on nights like this one, it seemed like he was getting good looks, clean looks, off off the dribble into the teeth of a defense that was absolutely keyed in on him doing that. And you see someone like, like you mentioned Randall a couple of years ago, Randall had no help, but also I don't think Randall was ready for that kind of heat. Um, and in this series, when you see how much Brunson is able to, how much he still looks like himself, whether the shots are going in or not, and he's having to take tough shots, but like he still looks reasonably like Brunson, whereas sometimes Randall looks like he's seen a ghost or something. Like he doesn't, he doesn't look like the same player at all. And there's other players who haven't, 
always looked like the same player when the playoff like intensity has really ratcheted up. Brunson always does seem to. Um, whether the results go the way he wants or not, he's not infallible, but he does always seem to be like under fire. He seems like a cool dude. Yeah, and I mean, again, this is so many people. I mean, is this when you talk about the Knicks needing a star? Maybe they need multiple stars. That's this season and now these playoffs. These playoffs haven't been great. He's shooting twenty eight percent from three, even today. I mean, if he, if the threes were falling, we're talking about Damian Lillard type performances. It had to happen, you know, for the playoffs. Um, you know, certainly not at the rate that they were falling in the regular season. But are you looking at this playoffs and you've watched a lot of would-be stars come and go, right? Obviously, Melo was that guy, but you've watched Porzingis. You've watched Stephon Marbury. You've watched this these guys. You know, we can talk about afterwards, but is the confidence in you that Jalen Brunson is that kind of star, and you know maybe this is a guy that can be a, a cornerstone when you you know if and when the Knicks can really compete for a championship. I think what's most remarkable about Brunson is that he's and I can't think of I can't think off the top of my head. Maybe if I went deeper, but I can't think of the Knicks ever. And like there wasn't rampant free agency to like the nineties, but I can't think ever of the Knicks by free agency, by trade, um, bringing in a player who so surpassed all of the expectations and hopes for him. And here you are going into game six of the conference finals and his ceiling is still not defined. I, I mean, that's very, very, very rare. Uh, the only player I can even think of, unless you're going back to the, and even I don't even think in the 50s, the only Nick I can think of who went from maybe you have some nice hopes for him to, holy God, like we didn't know what we had, is Willis Reed. Because Willis Reed was a second-round pick. Um, when he was in college, he wasn't even, he didn't start college even expecting to be a basketball player. Um, he was going to be a teacher. Willis Reed went from oh second round pick to rookie of the year and led the Knicks in minutes and you knew from then on like he was Willis Reed. <laughs> That's not really possible anymore. Obviously, like Patrick Ewing wasn't gonna like slip through the the radar. Um and neither was Carmelo Anthony, but that I think adds to some of the joy of Brunson. I was talking to my friend, I saw game four uh out with a friend of mine, and we were talking about how I thought Brunson would be like a like a like a slight upgrade over like uh, like what Raymond Felton was. Like Raymond Felton was like a perfectly legitimate point guard, you know. And I thought that Brunson would be a little better than that. That that he had a little better scoring game than Felton, but probably a guy who's going to get you like sixteen and six, some kind of thing. And here we are. He had, what did he have tonight? Did he get to 40? He was close. He had, sorry, 38, only 38. Um, and for, for reasons that we can talk about, there's more, there's more than one reason for this, but I feel better 
than I normally do when my team is down three to one about their chances of winning in part, because I don't think Miami has an answer for him. He's they've, they've played him tough. They've made it very difficult for him at points, but as the series has gone on, like one encouraging thing kind of happening with all three of the Knicks big three, the last couple of games, they seem to be getting a bit more, you know, out of the muck and a bit more into some kind of, rhythm and gear all of them all three of them and if that happens that's a much different series for miami to contend with than when it's just you know brunson by himself yeah, and, but I, I i i agree with that i do think it starts with brunson Continue on North um, for three quarters of a mile i think that um you know um like look the thing is rj barrett has been terrific for the entire playoffs so when I say this, I'm not trying to take away anything from him. But I'm trying to highlight something, uh, and I'll get to Randall in a second, but I'm trying to hi- highlight something that a lot of people, you know, the R.J. Barrett wars were pretty vocal um, on a lot of media. Uh, and, you know, his defenders would say, well, he's not put in the best position. He has to play off Randall and Brunson. He's a number three. Brunson dominates the ball, blah, blah, blah. They're not great fits. They're all lefties. I mean, the lefty thing to me is the dumbest thing, by the way. Like, yes, I know. would it be better if they were all righties? Like, it's the same thing, right? You can say that if you say that they were all left-hand dominant to an extent that's more than other players, that'd be fine. But I think all three have shown proclivity going to the right. So um, I don't and think that would that's be no different than if you had three righties who had no game right going to their left. Yeah, uh, and like, and and they, I think they all like, especially RJ, like. I mean, I think all three of them, but like RJ in particular, mm-hmm. the the Cavs kept forcing him right, and he kept killing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had a pretty, he's been pretty effective doing that against the, the Heat too. But against the Cavs, it was almost comical because they would just overplay him, and he's like, "Dude, I can hit a righty layup, <laughs> um, even if you have Mobley or Allen there." Um, so, but the, what I'm getting to is like it's been a thing where in the Cavs series they put Darius Garland on him, who was and. I was impressed, honestly, relative to expectations by what I saw from Darius Garland on defense, um, yes. but he's 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, like, that yeah. is, those are the kinds of matchups. The matchups that RJ has struggled with was, like, Franz Wagner, right? It's bigger threes because, like, he's not super quick, so it's, it's tough for him to, um, it's just tough for him to, um, to just blow by bigger dudes he's not great at that advantage but he's great at bullying smaller defenders um and he did a great job of that i thought um against garland and he's done a great job of that when they've put vincent on him and why does that why are they putting vincent or garland well who would want to put a small guard on rj barrett well the answer is you want to put okoro on jalen brunson you want to put jimmy butler on on um on jalen brunson and the heat have mixed it up because eric spolstra is really smart coach but um you know that's a thing that but it it goes both ways right like if you're Jalen Brunson and your one weakness is they put big wings on you well you want a big wing next to you who can punish them for trying to hard hide a small guard if you had Reggie not to knock Reggie Bullock but yeah if you had Reggie Bullock there and they tried the same thing it would be much so RJ is punishing that he's you you want to put like if we played the Hawks they might try the same thing and RJ would be like nah it's not gonna work um, you know, if you if you try to hide Trey Young on me, um, so that's helped. But it's also his decision making. It's it's those things like 
these playoffs are the first time I've seen real chemistry between Brunson and RJ in a sense that they are amplifying, they're complementing each other's games. And, you know, what RJ brings as a physical driver, as a guy who can beat those kind of defenses and draw the defenders that Brunson, you know, you know, struggles with or force them to put, or, or you know, force them to, to put the defenders that Brunson can feast on on him. Making those matchups difficult is is is, um, is a big deal, um, and and RJ is doing that at twenty two. It, it's uh, it's tough to be upset. I think the rebounding still needs work. The shooting needs still needs work, but th- those things along with just how much better he's been at passing out of drives has been huge. Um, with Randall, um, I thought he played well today. Um, I do think the Brunson Randall pick and roll is something they need to explore more. Because um, Mitch doesn't really kill that spacing, he can be in the dunker spot. But because of just how good those t- two players are, and how good Rand- Robinson is on the glass, like it's still not, it's still an effective play. Um, you know, so I think there's ways to use Brunson and Randall off each other. But the thing is this, right? Brunson is the guy, and Randall is like he is a like a secondary piece in this offense. That's that's when this offense works best. In the regular season, you know, it was kind of a take turns thing where he could kind of do his thing and he was more effective because defenses were worried about Brunson. But in the playoffs, it's been tougher for him to do that. And in the playoffs, when Brunson draws double teams, you know, how well it has worked with RJ versus how well it works with Randall being that outlet, it's a pretty notable difference. That said, I really liked how Randall battled back tonight. He didn't have a good first quarter. He obviously didn't have a good game four. We know he, like Brunson, like Jimmy, is dealing with ankle issues. Um, but he came back, and I thought he fought hard. And, and the thing is this. like, He's a big guy. You know, We know what he's capable of. We know he's going to have some struggles on offense. Um, I think what really upset people in game four was just how, how poor the defensive – I mean – No one's expecting Randall to be Draymond Green, but there were times when he was just not moving on rebounds. There were times when he was just watching dudes blow by him. Uh, He got blown by by Kevin Love. If we get game five Randall, I think everyone will sign up for that. Um, I think he plays well off off, um, Brunson. I think on offense, the Knicks had an A-plus game, and uh, and Tibbs deserves a credit for that. Like I thought to the extent that they made mistakes, it was pretty much – it was very. It was. It was execution. So maybe not an A plus, totally for all the Knicks players. But I thought. I thought they played well. Uh, the defense was still worrisome, and we could talk about that. But um, the TLDR is. I think Brunson and RJ. I'm very sold on them actually being a great complementary fit for each other, on both ends. I think it's possible for Randall, but there are things that I need to see from him that he hasn't consistently shown. And but even, it, even if I'm gonna leave that aside no matter what he has to he has to do more on defense because the last thing i'll say is you know if you look at teams that have actually won a championship um you know how many of them have power forwards or centers but obviously center is the most important position defensively but even power forwards i would argue like the bigger you are the more you can do on defense how many teams have won a championship with a power forward who's not good on defense I would say the Cavs with Kevin Love. They did that once, and I'm sorry. I think Kevin Love was a much better facilitator and a connective piece than Randall. 
So it's tough to do that. So Randall, I think either needs to become much more able to grease the wheels of an offense as opposed to just being a finisher or, um, or he needs to live up to his potential on defense, which I think is considerable, but I, I haven't seen either of those things consistently enough for me to believe that, you know, I'm not, that's not a, we need to trade Randall right now, but that is, is whenever this team is at its final, you know, iteration or whatever, like this version of this team before they, you know, eventually have to get to the next generation. Um, you know, my feeling is Jalen Brunson will be here. I've become more confident that I think RJ Barrett will be here. I, I'm not, I just, it's tough for me to see RJ, uh, sorry, Julius Randle on that team for the reasons I mentioned. One of the things that was the most encouraging about, um, Everything tonight, you were just kind of touching on it. Um, Thibodeau complained, I think, last game, either game three or game four, there was a game where Thibodeau complained about their lack of aggressiveness. And this game, it felt like, especially second quarter on, there was a lot of aggression. And what was really encouraging for me about Barrett, not only in terms of his production, there was a sequence, a little over two minutes left, the Heat had pulled within like two. I think it was 103, 101. And the Knicks had a possession where the ball was just kind of floating around the perimeter. It was dying on the vine. Barrett got the ball with a couple seconds left, and it felt like you're going to get a, a terrible RJ off balance, like a shot that has zero chance of going in. And Barrett got the ball, and he attacked, and he got all the way to the rim. He didn't make the shot, but he drew like three defenders going up with it, which left Hartenstein open. So when Barrett missed the shot, Hartenstein slammed it down. The Knicks were up four. I don't think that he'd ever got back. Have you heard of the no term Kobe assist? What, what's ben, that? Have you heard of the Kobe assist? I have. There it is. But but what, what, what was so great on that play was that, and you've seen more of this in the playoffs from Barrett, where he didn't settle. Like, he attacked. And... In doing so, he basically maybe won the game because the Heat had just pulled within two. And I think everybody in the building was very aware of that team's ability to come back from late and big deficits. It wasn't a comfortable feeling. Good for Barrett making that kind of a play. And also, as long as you're throwing out kudos to the starters who really did carry the day in this one, like emphatically. Mitchell Robinson making the five biggest free throws of his career. But also, I thought it was a nice bounce back game for Robinson being just a, a generally productive uh, impact player on both sides who wasn't riddled with fouls. It was nice to see. And it was nice to see him make five or six free throws when Spolstra wisely, I thought, went to the Hakimich. I was sweating those free throws, man. I don't know how you were feeling, but I was I was living and dying with every single one of those free throws. Uh, sorry, from Mitch or from? Yeah. Yeah, those yeah, Mitch free throws, um, man. Well, he went four for six. That is the greatest four for six I've ever, I've ever seen. It and, feels uh, like five for six when Mitch goes four for and six. And Spolster went with the hack shack you know? Um, no, I mean, it, 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 that was just an example, like, 
you know, I don't think the Knicks necessarily had the best game plan. Um, you know, there were still too many times when they're like, let's ISO BAM and see what happens. There were still too many times when they were like, let's see if Duncan Robinson misses a wide open three. And then it got annoying when the Heat started to stop missing those wide open threes. Um, so the game plan wasn't great, but I think those free throws were an example of like this Knicks team saying, yeah, like we don't have the perfect game plan. We're not always in an advantageous position, but we're going to will it out. You know, we're going to find a way to win. And that's what they did. And, and sometimes, you know, as much as that might sound as a reductive platitude, sometimes that's what it's all about. And, um, you know, I think as I talk about that, you know, Matt, Matt, I'll ask you this too. You were nervous about the free throws. I obviously was. There were so many open threes. They kept giving up all game. Um, I still think they're overreacting to Jimmy Butler. I thought Quinn Grimes played a really good game on him when he was just singled up. Um, like I, when Quinn when Butler got the ball, I was like, it's either going to be a fall, a foul, or Grimes is going to force him into a missed shot. Like I didn't want them to double, and they've been doubling all series, and I just don't think it's worked out for them. I'm curious to your thoughts on that. Um, I did feel like they were a little bit better about not doubling during the stretch. They extended the lead in the third. Um, you know, what are your thoughts kind of on that? Like, do you think that, you know, it's kind of the sound strategy? You just have to hope that he miss or do you expect them to change at all? Or I think he, I think it's tough with him because he's unique in that he can kill you. Like he's the kind of guy that you, you say, okay, you know, let him beat you. Like he can. If you let him beat you, he can beat you. But if you let him get other people involved, that's probably more dangerous. Um, I think, I don't know what to make of this. I was very struck by this in game four and it continued in this game. And it's part of what made the game four loss so annoying. And it's part of what makes me have maybe a rational hope going forward. The Heat in game four, like they won, but they didn't shoot well. Like that was not a, a great offensive performance by any stretch. They missed a lot of shots and it was driving me crazy that night because my God, the game was there for the taking. They couldn't make a shot, especially the second half, especially the fourth quarter today. It it looks weird. You're like, Oh my God, this is implausible that they would be missing this many shots. The thing is, and I don't know what to make of this. That's really who they were this year. Like, who they have been the last couple of weeks against particularly the Bucks and the Knicks is not who they have been most of the season. And the playoffs are relevant to limited degrees and depending on how you apply them. But this is now two games in a row that they've, you know, really, really, really have not shot that great. And going forward, I feel I still get nervous every time they line up. I'm expecting Robinson and Lowry and Struess and Vince, I'm expecting them to make all of them. But they don't. And most of this year, they didn't. And with the Knicks, the bench is still having um, at least scoring issues. But with your big three guys all kind of getting going at the same time now, and with the opponent not shooting, well, I'm torn about like, okay, do you want to now say, Jimmy Butler, go get 60. That's fine. Like, we're, we're just going to make sure that you guys have been cold. We're going to keep you cold. Like, we're not. Or do you say, like, eh, 
let's just keep doing what we're doing because they did give up a ton of open looks but like that's the next sword that's what they live by that's what they die by it's what they've done all year like they don't want to let you in the paint and if it means giving up threes they're going to give up threes and most of the time it's worked out for them um it doesn't feel good when it doesn't i'm sure the miami bench players like can't play as well in game six as they did in this game like i don't know i feel i feel usually when the knicks are down three to two in a series and they're going on the road for game six i do not feel good i think it's only worked out once um i feel okay about this how do you feel i think it's one game at a time um i i just i don't i guess i, I either don't fear jimmy or just have more confidence in quitting grimes than other people do i like if jimmy wants to hit fadeaways he's not Kawhi leonard i'm sorry i know that the bucks found a hard way that's a, a difficult game to play but I'd at least make them make a couple because the thing is like it's not just about finding an open shooter they're not just shooters that are around him they are shooters who will keep moving the ball they always make the right play um, what they're not good at is beating breaking guys down one-on-one make them a one-on-one team make them you know even if it's jimmy butler I like I would rather live with that than let them get into their ball movement because when the ball moves, also you allow Jimmy to get his you know his offensive rebounds. You allow them to crash the glass. They're a better offensive rebounding team than I think the Knicks are expecting. Uh, there's just too many ways they can hurt you when you double. I'd rather play it straight up, and then if it really you know you can you can try for a few possessions. If Grimes is really struggling, which he hasn't, uh, you know especially when. Bam Adebayo isn't allowed to just elbow him in the throat. Um, you know, like, it's just... Um, and, and by the way, Grimes was just fucking terrific. Um, you know, I don't know if he's injured early in the season, uh, earlier in the series. It's kind of funny that he went from being benched and, like, playing 15, 20 minutes off the bench early in the series to, like... did He, he played 48 this tonight, right? He played all 48, yep. Him and Brunson. Yeah. Uh, he, he, so, along with the Knicks' best player, he was the... Because, yeah, you had the Knicks' best offensive player tonight no knock on Mitchell Robinson who has been their best defensive player all year Grimes was critical to that defense tonight and I, I think you could even put a little more on his plate in terms of letting him single up how do I feel going into game six the Knicks t- did not play well in Miami to be quite blunt <coughs> um, so I, I'm not um, I'm definitely not confident but I'm not you know it, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like the Atlanta series. I'll say that. Yes, it feels like this is a team. This is a team we can play with. The the comp on our on my last pod on my last Strickland pod, um, Schwinn made a comp to the Indiana Indiana series in 2012. Maybe that's a better comp. Where you know, I guess Bam is the the Roy Hibbert role and and Jimmy is the Paul George role, but it just feels like everything is so difficult. But even that game six, the Knicks had a lead and kind of. So maybe maybe that's a good analogy, and maybe you know, like it comes down to is Jalen Brunson a better? I don't want to say a better mile. leader, Turn right on the US but can Jalen Brunson control? I think Jalen Brunson is probably not a better player than Carmelo Anthony, but I think he can control a game in ways that Carmelo just couldn't because he wasn't the point guard, right? Um, and that's not his fault. You know, it's not a knock on his talent. It's just it's difficult to do that as a wing scorer, um, you know. 
in, in his role, right? He didn't have quite the same role as a guy like MJ or Kobe. Um, so it's a little bit more. Jalen Brunson going to have the ball in his hands. Um, I think the Knicks have better defenders and, and depth, um, even even with the injuries. Um, you know, they. I I I think that um, I still am holding out hope for a Deuce McBride appearance. Um, so I would say cautious. I wouldn't even say cautiously optimistic. I would say cautiously Kesarasara. I'm not. I'm not a Kesarasara guy. I'm going to be pissed and probably very unhappy if the Knicks lose. But um, but I am a cautiously. Um, don't know what to expect. I guess uh, I'm not. I'm not confident. I'm not hopeless. I'm. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, I know. I know what the Knicks are. I know what the Heat are. And uh, there's a lot of ways it could go. And. Um, you know, if, if the Knicks come out, play hard, um, you know, if, if they have some things up their sleeve, I'll be, I'll be optimistic for the future no matter what. So. It's very similar to that Pacer series also in the the breakdown of the wins in the series. In that series, the Knicks won games two and games five. Same thing in this series. I remember feeling... I felt ner- I felt not as good in that series going into game six because nobody shumpered a little bit, but like nobody nobody in that series for the next besides Carmelo could score and a lot of guys did not even want the ball like in those spots. I didn't feel Did you so, real quick, sorry Matt, that's yeah. interrupt. Did you feel like do you think that was an actual just limitation of J.R. Smith's game, or do you think he got mentally just disrupted by the Boston Celtics? You know, the Jason Terry thing and the suspension. I think that and his off-the-court life at that point took him out of it. I, I don't think the Pacers, like, neutralized J.R. Smith. I think J.R. Smith neutralized himself. Yeah, but, I would agree. And that that's what made the Copeland thing, you know, so excruciating because – you you had you had one obvious very specific need as a team and you had a person on the bench with a very specific set of skills and you didn't even try because you were matching whatever i don't want to i don't want to go over 2013 again but this again another parallel between this and that i feel better about this team going into game 6 i often have felt not good at all like going into game sixes um but part of it is i don't know still and i find this really interesting as we head into a game six in game one of the series at the half i'm pretty sure the knicks were up five and i remember tweeting like that i thought the heat were happier to be down five than the knicks were to be up five um is, is that kind of it was a kind of a weird you know you're, you're seeing one thing but you have a sense that change might come and we're going into game six of a series and i still feel like you could easily talk yourself into this series having played out in so many different ways like he could easily have won all five games like easily the two games that they lost they could have won those games the knicks could be up three to two very easily in this series there's all kinds of problems i don't think I don't feel, even though the Heat won both games and the Knicks looked terribly there, and this is totally maybe a Knicks fan bias, but like I don't feel like playing in Miami itself had any effect on the Knicks. Like I don't feel like the crowd or the energy like was too much, or I just think they sucked. 
Um, whereas I think they do get an advantage playing at home. I think they get a certain boost. Um, what's that? I said that's how I feel too. It's just tough to remove that feeling of watching them just suck ass in Miami as a data point. Yeah. I did not think that yeah. did it have something to do because they've definitely looked better in MSG in all three games. Maybe it's mm-hmm. a coincidence. Maybe that's you know not related to the location, but that is a thing. So it makes me a little nervous. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it should matter or not, but I have I have felt. You know, when Atlanta really shut Randall down, like you could, you understood watching it. Like you could see like what was happening to him, and you could see like he he doesn't have like any idea of what to do with this. I didn't feel in the series like Miami had at any point, like certainly not with Barrett. Um, but it never looked to me like okay, they've they've they haven't figured out. Like they've done a lot of smart, tough things, but. It's felt more to me like watching the Knicks. The Knicks have been failing to do things. Not that the Heat have been in control that much. And um, I feel like maybe this is around the time this happens in baseball all the time in the playoffs. Like there's a point where the the kind of um, regression either way occurs, and like there's only so long that the cleanup hitter is going to hit 200. Like he's going to pop eventually, and. I, maybe I'll be wrong. We'll see how how we feel Friday night. But I really feel like the Knicks just look like they're starting to to remember who they are in certain ways. I don't mean to make it sound so you know um, non. I don't know. That sounds nonsensical to just to suggest that they just remembered who they are. But I think there is something about confidence and momentum, and maybe they have found some now. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um... I think with a guy like Grimes, confidence is going to be a huge deal. Um, when you're a shooter and you don't touch the ball that often, just getting more reps helps. Um, I think it's worth noting, Josh Hart just played probably the two worst games in his entire Knicks career. I'm not using that to pick on Josh Hart, but he's a guy that's usually very reliable. So that's a guy that they, they won this game in spite of Josh Hart. I, I don't think I've ever said that before. Um, that's pretty encouraging because I think we know what he's capable of. Uh, I think he's gotten it into the, to it with the refs a little bit. Um, you know, he's, you know, they're, they're, I think they've had some tough calls against him. Um, so, like, the Knicks have underperformed. A lot of that does have to do with the Heat. But your point, yeah, it's not just like, the thing is that the Heat doubled Randall and the Knicks had no recourse. Mm-hmm. And some of that you can put on Tibbs. Some of that you can just put on the fact that Tibbs didn't have many guns. And mm-hmm. Derek Rose, and, um, you know, that, that was enough. Well, that wasn't enough. We're completely taking Randall out of it. They were able to hide Trey Young, their one defensive weakness, on Reggie Bullock. They weren't able to exploit that. Um, you know, and, and I just don't want to rehash that, rehash that series, but this feels like every time the Knicks adjust, Spolstra has another adjustment. It's a cat and mouse game. And we are the mouse. It, we're the five seed, but we're, it feels, it, it has felt constantly like we're the mouse, right? Like Brunson gets into a rhythm. Oh, we're going to ball deny him full court with Gabe Vincent. And, um, and the Knicks are a, a slow reacting mouse, um, okay. to, to put it mildly. That's, you know, not a knock on Tibbs. He's going against, but, but 
lot of these things are the, the Knicks have had set identity and they have to work on new things that are being thrown at them. So it's a different type of challenge. But it also doesn't feel like, you know, it's like if you face the biggest bully who's three times your size in the playground, you know, there's there might just be a feeling like there's phys, the physics are physics, I can't win this. It's a different type of challenge if you face a kid with numbers and martial arts skills, but who's really a little smaller than his size. Like, oh, he can call me, but I worry about a lot of different things, and even how good I am. Um, and not that I advocate child violence with those. out of the paint and then um you know letting guys play off of that playing off of that himself instead of just trying to iso you can see the kind of impact he can have on the offense um and um and rj's been good. offense can really work it's more um you know a better answer to this three-point shooting just want to point out that while the Believe Knicks podcast does not endorse child violence, we are looking for more sponsors. So if you're into child violence and willing to pony up a little bit, we can talk. I would like to point out also a couple of Knicks, uh, a contribution that I think is easy to overlook but worth pointing out. Um, I referenced it earlier. It's very easy to look at the bench points and say, ah, the Miami bench clearly outplayed the Nick bench. If you look in a different way um the nick bench out rebounded the miami bench two to one including six to one on the offensive glass obi toppin in not a lot of minutes um had good energy and six rebounds um hartenstein also had six rebounds including that rebound finish when hartenstein yep. had been brought in the game to help counter the hack of mitch that had been going on um he came he out also had another right huge offensive it, rebound on like a um he had another huge offensive rebound late that just it, it just extended a possession, but um, it's uh, it's what we've come to expect from. Mm-hmm. So like not always points, but the, you know the bigs, especially on the bench. Hart had a, another you know, four fouls in nine minutes. He's having a rough last couple of games, but even though the bench only scored combined eight points, um, they contributed on the offensive glass. They contributed rebounding in general, and that helped the Knicks. Um, win the game going away on the glass 50 to 34 which is something that they kind of have to do um to win in this series so you know that was a stressful game to watch man <laughs> that was stressful i was with i was even when they were up 19 somebody missed a free throw i think they could have put them up 20 and i was like god damn should be up 20 Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.